Hello everyone, uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host D-Blex Lesalon. In this new special episode, I'm so excited and humbled to be joined by Charlie Mayhew, MBE, the co-founder and CEO of Task, and Edward Nderitu, who heads the anti-poaching unit at Lewa Wildlife Conservancy. I will read through their bios real quick before we get into the conversation of the day. Born and raised in the UK, Charlie Mayhew spent two years traveling and working in South Africa, Switzerland, and Australia. After returning home, he started work as a Lloyds Marine Insurance broker with Willis Faber and Dumas Limited. In 1985, he set up and led the Young Europe-Africa expedition. The 33-strong team crossed the Sahara and traveled through the Congo before arriving in Kenya, where it undertook a series of conservation and community projects filmed for Channel 4 TV documentary. The seven-month adventure concluded in Cape Town. Upon his return, Mihil was selected a fellow of the Royal Geographical Society. After working for a small boutique financial services firm, Mayhew formed his own financial services business, which he later sold to St. James's Place Group. In 1990, he co-founded the charity Task, and as part of the stimulus for doing so, he co-produced the feature film Lost in Africa, a drama highlighting the threat of the ivory trade. Under Mayhew's stewardship, Task has since grown into a highly reputable and efficient UK conservation NGO with uh, His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales as an active royal patron. Since 2010, Mayhew has accompanied the patron on a number of overseas trips, including most recently his trip to visit Task-supported projects in Namibia and Tanzania. Mayhew also sits on the board of the Ernest Clainworth Charitable Trust, and in 2005, he was awarded an, a, a member of the Order of the British Empire, MBE, by Her Majesty the Queen in recognition of his services to conservation in Africa. Charlie lives in Wiltshire uh, with his wife and four children. Moving on to Edward Nderitu. Edward Nderitu is a dedicated wildlife conservationist with 26 years of experience protecting wildlife in the Lewa Wildlife Conservancy in various roles within the security department. Starting as a ranger in 1997, Edward's responsibilities included daily patrols of security blocks and reporting wildlife sightings. He then progressed to become a commander in the armed unit within the security department until 2010 before taking up, taking up his current position as the head of the anti-poaching unit at Lewa Wildlife Conservancy. Through his leadership, Edward has played a vital role in securing the Lewa Borana landscape against poachers, significantly reducing poaching cases and having zero incidents recorded for over four years. Edward's outstanding contributions to wildlife conservation have been recognized with numerous accolades, including the prestigious inaugural uh, Prince William's Task Wildlife Ranger Award in 2015. Edward's love for wildlife conservation is evident in his unwavering commitment to protecting and preserving wildlife for future generations. His expertise and dedication to the cause makes him a valuable asset to the conservation community. Edward has diverse interests and hobbies that keep him active and engaged. He is an avid football fan and enjoys watching and playing the sport whenever he gets a chance. 
In addition, he has a passion for game driving and exploring the African wilderness, which allows him to appreciate the natural beauty and wildlife. Edward also has a deep appreciation for African traditional music and enjoys listening to and learning more about the diverse musical traditions of different communities. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something. Karibu, karibu sana. Thank you so much, Charlie um, Mayhew and Edward Nderitu uh, for, for coming to the show. Uh, it's really an honor uh, to, to feature you both on this special, special podcast. And Charlie, uh, just to, for a start, could you briefly introduce yourself and what you do? Yes, thank you very much indeed. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be joining you. Um, my name is Charlie Mayhew, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Tusk, um, which I established um, in 1990, so nearly 33 years ago. Okay, great. Uh, thank you for that, Charlie. And could you could you tell us the backstory behind founding Tusk? Uh, it's been uh, you said you founded this um, organization in 1990, and I'm sure it's been quite a journey for you. Uh, how did the formation of TASC come about? Absolutely. Um, it's been a fantastic journey. And um, I was lucky enough when I left school to uh, having been educated in the, U in the UK, uh, I was lucky enough to go and travel to Africa, initially to South Africa, um, where I sort of became fascinated by the continent and uh, I ended up doing a number of trips to different parts of Africa, yeah. which led to me ultimately organizing an overland expedition of young people drawn from all over Europe uh, in the mid-80s, this is 1985, and we drove from London to Cape Town over a period of seven months. Yeah. And in order to try and justify that trip, we decided that we would undertake certain projects. And um, one of those projects, uh, I'm pleased to say, was in Lake Nakuru National Park in, uh, in Kenya, in the Rift Valley where the Kenya Wildlife Service was looking to uh, create a rhino sanctuary out of the national park. And so in order to do that, it needed to fence the park and it's it, it, the entirety of the park. So my expedition team was uh, invited to come and help put up part of the, the uh, perimeter fence for Lake Nakuru so that they could introduce rhino into uh, the national park and it was really that moment that um, uh, I began to become uh, more aware of the issues and the challenges that conservation uh, was facing not only in Kenya but across Africa particularly uh, due to the um, uh, the poaching of both elephant and rhino for ivory and rhino horn. Um, <clears throat> and in, in the 80s, uh, as I think many people will know, that the elephant population across Africa was being decimated by, um, by poaching. So when I came back from that expedition, a couple of years later, I 
uh, I wanted to do something. Uh, you know, I went back into business uh, and into the financial world, but I wanted to make some sort of contribution. So along with a great friend of mine, um, we, we established Tusk in 1990. Um, and originally it was really just a hobby. Um, and it was not designed to sort of take over my life quite how it has done. Um, yeah. But, you know, as so often with these things, it, it, it really sort of created a life of its own. And uh, slowly but surely, the charity just got uh, uh, grew in its income and we were able to support more and more projects. And so uh, eventually it, it sort of took over my life and I, I gave up my commercial career to concentrate purely on on continue to build Tusk as a wildlife conservation charity. Um, but Tusk has always uh, been focused purely on Africa and the charity uh, has a, uh, a portfolio model whereby we don't uh, we don't look to uh, organize or manage or, or, or own the projects ourselves. What we have always sought to do uh, is to seek out what we feel are the best uh, conservation organizations, local grassroots conservation organizations that we can get behind uh, support with uh, both money and, uh, and other benefits. Uh, and it's really about uh, trying to, to build uh, an in an effective and impactful portfolio of conservation projects. So that's what we just a um, minute. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Charlie. Uh, Edward, nice to have you. Uh, can you hear us? Can you get? Can you get us from where yes, you are? I can get you very clear. Okay, thank you. Uh, Charlie, to 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 continue uh, that that expedition being. Uh, the life-changing experience which led you to 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 gather and uh, you know form this great organization as you've mentioned you support local grassroots conservation organizations with funding and other benefits can you paint for us a picture of what africa was like how that first encounter uh felt for you Yes, absolutely. And um, uh, um, hi there, Edward. Good, good to have you with us on, in this conversation. Um, uh, yeah, so in those early days, uh, when I first went to Africa in 1979 and, and then in the early, in, in, in the, in the early 80s, um, I think that, um, uh, you know, um, and since then we've seen a huge change the way conservation um, has has evolved, um, because in in the eighties, um, I think the the approach was very much more what I would call a fortress mentality. It was about putting up fences uh, and creating uh, sanctuaries and, um, and 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 trying to sort of you know be. It was all about protection in those days. Yeah. Um, I think subsequently what we have seen and, and is very exciting, um, and Edward is very much at the heart of all of this, is uh, we have seen 
the growth of community-based, community-led uh, conservation uh, in the areas outside national parks. Uh, and some countries are, uh, you know, we've seen that significantly uh, enhance the, the landscape that is now uh, uh, sort of operating under a conservation uh, philosophy and and uh, Kenya is a very good example of that where uh, there are now extensive uh, areas of land uh, that are now managed by communities you know for the benefit of communities but also for the benefits of wildlife and that I think has been the, the really significant change that I've seen in my lifetime um, uh, you know across Africa. Thank you for that, Mark. And just to bring Edward at this juncture, Edward, you're, you, you are a bene, bene, benefactor of this, uh, you know, local grassroots conservation, Lewa being a flagship of, of, of conservation in Africa. Uh, you know, uh, you, we, we, we all know about the history, you know, this land being set aside for rhino conservation. And now, uh, Edward, just to bring you in here, uh, could you briefly introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Edward Derito. I'm the head of Ant Pushing Unit here in Lewa Wildlife Conservancy. My work is to protect and uh, conserve the endangered animal and also protect the neighboring community. Thank you, Edward. Uh, uh, Charlie, just to bring you on here, uh, um, I'm curious to know, how did the Task Conservation Awards come to be and what impact have the awards had so far on the African conservation scene? Yes, well, no, thank you. The, 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 the Conservation Awards, Tusk Conservation Awards is something which we're, we're very proud of. We established the awards uh, back in 2013. Um, and it was really uh, an idea that uh, came out of a, a, a dinner we had with our royal patron, Prince William, where we were uh, discussing the, you know, the need to try and shine a spotlight on some of the sort of true unsung heroes of conservation working uh, in Africa. And so we came up with the idea of the Conservation Awards. Um, and I'm, I'm delighted that Edward um, was the inaugural winner of the Tusk Wildlife Ranger Award. Um, which uh, the actual that award was was uh, started in 2015, um, and was very much uh, an award that Prince William wanted to create. The uh, the other two awards that we had uh, were the Prince William Award, which is the Lifetime Achievement Award, and the Tusk Award, which is, uh, uh, is really designed for recognizing what we term as an emerging leader in conservation. Um, and, and so over the last 10 years, um, we've recognized nearly, well, actually I think it's 50 conservation leaders across Africa in 18 different countries. And you know their work um, spans the protection of something like 60 different species and a, and a vast landscape. So that's really what the award's about. It's about really elevating the profile of some amazing people. And then uh, with the awards, 
uh, goes a, a a significant grant of money towards their work. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Charlie. And Edward, you're the winner of the inaugural Task Wildlife Ranger Award in 2015. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, being the inaugural uh, uh, Task Wildlife Ranger Conservation Award, you know, that experience, you know, it was in 2015. Uh, you know, when I was informed that uh, I am the winner, you know, from there, you know, uh, I came to realize that uh, there are people who are out there who appreciate and recognize the work that we normally do. You know, rangers think that they are just there out there in the field doing their work and nobody listens to them, nobody knows what they are doing. But when I got that award, you know, it was like an eye opener, not only for me, but also for my team, because, you know, the award that I got, it was not because of me, it was because of, of the team, you know, you know, I got this award on behalf of the team because, you know, all the work that we had done with the team, that is what emerged me to be the winner. So, and uh, from there, I got a chance even to meet with uh, uh, people in our government here in Kenya. Uh, I got a chance to meet with the CS, a cabinet secretary, who she came here to congratulate me. I also met with the elders, people from my village who come to realize that uh, the work that I normally do uh, that have impact not only to our organization, but also to the neighboring community and also work can be recognized all over Africa. Also, I got a chance also to meet with uh, people like uh, His Loyal Highness, uh, Prince William. And uh, I got a chance also to go to UK. It was my first time out of Africa. And, uh, you know, it was a big experience because I visited different sites. I went to the House of, House, of, House of Parliament, you know, I visited different sites. And uh, it was a history when I came back here talking to my rangers, giving, giving them the history of uh, people who recognize the work that we do here. So it was a big uh, difference to me. And since then, you know, I have seen a lot of uh, difference in my life because, you know, I have interacted with people who make difference to our work people who support our work and uh, people that I have also got a chance even to influence other people who do not know anything about uh, conservation, like uh, people who see it in the judiciary. When I got the award, there are people who saw, the, who saw it in the social media. I was invited to go and sit and talk to the local court users committee, which is chaired by a judge. And uh, they wanted to know more about my work and uh, the impact that we have in the community and also what it means by conservation, how conservation is connected with the livelihood. Thank you, Edward. And uh, being a ranger, it's a, it's a daunting task. Uh, you spend most of your time in the wild, you know, you sacrifice your time away from your family, uh, boots on the ground kind of operations every day, going out there to face danger. Uh, Edward, what would you say is the success behind your security strategy? and heading the anti-poaching units uh, for the Leo Wildlife Conservancy, bearing in mind that we just had COVID, which uh, was, was a pain for, conserv for, for all conservation organizations across Africa and the world, really. Thank you very much. We, the Rangers, we cannot do what we do without the support with uh, people like TASC, you know, with all the support. A very good example is when we had COVID, you know, there was a lot of challenges, you know, we did not have enough resources 
but uh, TAS came up with an idea of uh, having a water ranger challenge whereby they fundraise money to support rangers who have challenges because, you know, by then, when we had a lot of challenges of COVID, we did not have any funds to go to, uh, to come to our conservation, to our conservancies, maybe to take care of uh, our operations because, you know, conserving wildlife is a very expensive uh, affair. And also, you know, for the rangers who are out there, as you say, the work that we do is very risky. And for you to have someone who want to risk his life or her life to do what we normally do, you have to make sure that uh, you motivate them, you look after them. So their welfare has to be very good. So I can say thank you very much to TASC because they have supported us with uh, financially, supporting us with equipment. And uh, also they have opened us our eyes because when I got the award, you know, I interacted with many people and uh, I, I make friends, friends who support, friends who cares about us. And uh, as you say, you know, a ranger going out there, you risk your life, you're out there when it is raining, when it is sun, sunny, but we cannot, uh, we cannot achieve our objective uh, without getting the support. So we are in the front line, but without the people who are behind the scene, people who do a lot of work in fundraising like charity, and uh, they support us with uh, whatever we have, because we, the Rangers, we might be having the passion, but if we don't have what we want to do our work, we cannot have the success. So it's a chain. You have to work with other people. Very good example. You have to have people who support you. You have to work with other agencies. Very good examples are people who do other work, like in the courts, as uh, people who do other security agencies. And the most important one, the community. You know, the community are the first line of defense because here in Kenya, as Charlie said before, 70% of our drive is outside the park. And, uh, you know, if you don't involve the community, all the work that you are doing is nothing. But uh, if you have good community, people who understand what you do, people who know the value of, our, of your work, you will be safe. I certainly agree with you, Edward. And uh, it takes a lot of partnerships uh, to make uh, this work really. And Charlie, you support a range of portfolio projects across Africa. Uh, could you tell us what is the success uh, behind TASC's approach to conservation? Yeah, I think, thank you. Um, I think that the portfolio that we have is um, incredibly diverse. So although the name of the charity is Tusk and therefore people might think it just relates to elephants, um, we actually support the full spectrum of Africa's natural heritage, all the species. So we have projects that support gorilla conservation, turtle conservation, um, chimpanzees, uh, wild dog, cheetah. You know, and um, but at the heart of our ethos, um, just picking up on the point that Edward was making there, at the heart of our ethos has always been the recognition that the long term success of of conservation in Africa is is going to be so dependent on uh, our our ability to. Um, enable communities that coexist with wildlife to benefit from uh, that wildlife and from the, from the conservation efforts. So, so uh, a significant proportion of the projects in our portfolio have a strong human dimension to them where we are, where our project partners are endeavoring 
to uh, find ways to provide tangible benefits, uh, uh, you know, provide security, improve the livelihoods, education, healthcare, uh, through their programs of uh, for the people that that uh, live, you know, on uh, on the land on which the, you know the, the the conservation program is is operating. So, um, so we yeah, no, we have a very diverse uh, portfolio, um, and I think that um, in terms of it's a it's a different approach to some of the the larger. Um, big international NGOs like WWF, um, as I said earlier, we do not seek uh, to put our own people on the ground. It's about trying to, as a, uh, to identify the best people that we feel are delivering real impact uh, at a grassroots level and, and getting behind them. So it's, it's a slightly different approach, uh, but it's one that we feel um, is is very successful and 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 delivering results. Great. Uh, let's switch on gears now and talk a bit about the threats facing wildlife. And I'd like to bring Edward here. Edward, eight years on after you won the Task Wildlife Ranger Award, I'm sure the threats to wildlife conservation in Kenya and Africa in general were different. Uh, poaching was on the rise, but we have seen other threats like climate change, uh, you know, we've had the worst droughts in Kenya uh, for, for the, in, in 40 years. And, you know, that's, that's driving species to extinction uh, uh, really quickly, Edward. What are your thoughts on emerging threats facing biodiversity, wildlife, their habitats and the local communities? Uh, thank you very much. The biggest threat that we face for wildlife, you know, is the secure and safe habitat for them. And I, as you mentioned about the uh, global warming, you know, climate change, those are the biggest. And also something else you, you need to add is about population. You know, in Kenya, we are facing a big population and uh, uh, the same in Africa. And, uh, you know, what used to be corridors of water drive, you know, now it's closed because people have subdivided their land and, uh, you know, the population is growing. And also because of uh, uh, climate change, you know, we, the human being and the water drive, we are fighting because of resources. We come up and fight because of the resources. That's the biggest challenge we are facing in Kenya and also across Africa, because very good example is uh, now what is happening in the Northern Kenya, because you know we don't have enough water, we don't have enough uh, pastures for the wildlife to feed people and, and wildlife are fighting for greener pastures. So what can be done is only to educate people, to show people importance of uh, planting trees, to show people importance of uh, making sure that they coexist with wildlife because you know without people you know there's no wildlife and without wildlife without nature there's no human so people at wildlife have to live together we have seen i've seen a big change what we had in terms of uh, challenges of poaching it has changed even the dimension of poaching has changed and the biggest challenge we are facing now is uh, human wildlife conflict Yes, everyone is trying to uh, to do all the effort, maybe to educate people, to talk to people, how they can coexist with wildlife, and also making sure that uh, the wildlife that are out in the field are safe. Because the biggest enemy now is, uh, uh, you know, because of uh, uh, the habitat that people and wildlife are fighting for. 
And Edward, how, how can you best address this issue in the north uh, with, with the banditry and all this conflict that is there? Uh, do you think uh, we, are, we, are, we are doing enough or how, how can we address it? Yeah, to be honest, you know, whatever is happening in the north, I can see that, uh, you know, with the support of Rewa Northern Angel Trust, uh, together with the support like people from uh, like Task, I can see Kenyans, we are doing very well because, you know, budgetary and uh, uh, the challenges of our drive and the coexistence of people and our drive is different. You know, budgetary is something different. What was very bad, you know, in 2011, 2012, 2013, we had a lot of challenges of poaching and also road budgetaries. And that has gone down. The only yeah. challenges we are having is people who are fighting for resources. Even the people who are doing then it crashes, they are fighting for resources. So it's for people, human beings, to understand that they need to respect to respect each other. We need to conserve our nature. We need to make sure that we plant trees. We make sure that uh, we protect our heritage. What we have, we protect for ourselves, for our future generations, and also because of our drive. Thank you, thank you, Edward. And uh, Charlie, a, a big part of your of your program at Task is fundraising, uh, and uh, all these conservation organizations that you support, um, it, it's hard really to 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 implement their ideas and um, uh, achieve their goals with, with, with limited funding. And I remember we had the first Africa Protected Areas Congress, I think last year in Kigali. And one of the issues that uh, emanated from that was how can we unlock uh, local funding? Uh, could you tell us about fundraising for conservation post-COVID and in an increasingly uh, tough economic climate? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you know, obviously COVID was a huge uh, economic shock and uh, uh, to to the to the world and um, as a charity, you know, we were very worried about how uh, our fundraising uh, was going to, uh, you know, how how it was going to be, particularly in 2020. Um, but where we were fortunate was that uh, we had a, a particular a philanthropist who came out of the blue um, and uh, he was concerned about the uh, the welfare of rangers, uh, many of whom were losing their jobs uh, because of COVID, because the revenue from tourism had just fallen off a cliff. And so the money wasn't there to underwrite uh, their salaries and, and to keep them operational on the front line in many cases. So he very kindly put up a matched fund of $5 million in 2020. And he challenged uh, Tusk to unlock uh, that $5 million. Um, we had to raise it dollar for dollar. Um, and uh, we managed to do that. Um, and uh, we created the Wildlife Ranger Challenge um, as a part of this initiative where we um, invited rangers all over Africa to participate in a virtual half marathon within their own protected area um, and to use the, uh, the event to raise money from the general public around the world uh, th that um, was going to be matched dollar for dollar by our donor. Um, yeah. and, and, and that was hugely successful. 
uh, not only in terms of raising the money, but also, interestingly, it 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 created, I think, I mean, Edward would be better to speak to this, but um, it created a, a, a camaraderie amongst the rangers, the ranger sector um, across Africa, because so many of these rangers uh, are working in incredibly remote, isolated areas with little contact with the with the outside world. And I think many of them were surprised to through the Wildlife Ranger Challenge to see that they were part of something so much bigger and uh, that they were, that their jobs and their, uh, the work that they do was being valued across the world uh, through the funds that were being raised, you know, from, from the Wildlife Ranger Challenge. So um, over the last three years, I'm delighted to say that we've, we've raised something like $16 million for rangers um, yeah. which in in that 2020 and 2021 a lot of that money was was earmarked to try and uh, literally pay the salaries of rangers and to keep them working on the front line but subsequently as we are emerging from the covid crisis um, the intention is to keep the wildlife ranger challenge going and to use it to support the ranger sector in a whole raft of different ways, helping with their welfare, with the facilities, their living facilities, uh, with um, uh, the equipment and their training, uh, as well as their salaries. And, um, you know, we are, uh, you know, it's something we're very, very proud of. But, um, you know, strangely enough, you know, in, in spite of COVID, um we found fundraising not uh you know it wasn't more difficult in fact i think that in some respects uh experiencing covid across the world has um highlighted the value and the need for us to protect the natural world there has been a greater appreciation in many respects of the natural world for people um, who were locked up in their apartments in cities around the world, whether it be London, New York, or wherever, you know, um, yeah. suddenly realized what they were missing in terms of, uh, you know, that connection with, with nature. And so, in, as I say, in many respects, I think we've found that, um, you know, that appreciation has helped to elevate our cause and the importance of preserving the natural world. Uh, and obviously, particularly the work that rangers do as, um, you know, our frontline guardians of nature. Thank you for sharing that in detail, Charlie. And I'm glad that you've mentioned about the wild wild ranger challenge uh, and edward you being a ranger on the ground leading on the front lines of conservation we have all these programs we have the wrc uh, challenge we have the lewa uh, marathon which is coming up sometime this year we also have the ultra marathon all this to support your efforts and the efforts of other uh, organizations really to advance their mission for conservation uh, edward are you hopeful um, about um, all these efforts that are coming in left, right, and center to support uh, the cause for conservation. What are your thoughts on the future 
of African conservation? Uh, my thought about the future of uh, African conservation is about uh, people coming together, Africans themselves running from each other, Africa themselves trying to fundraise even uh, in-house because, you know, there are people who do a lot of efforts like uh, what Chari and uh, Task they are doing. You know, he has mentioned and he has given up, uh, out about the details of uh, how when we had a lot of challenges during COVID, you know, we had, uh, even here in Lewa, we, uh, we were heavily uh, uh, affected because, you know, we had pay cut. We had even redundancy. We had people who had to go for uh, uh, leave without pay. And, uh, you know, when uh, task came in, we were able to bring those guys back. We were able to provide rangers with the proper and right equipment. And uh, because, you know, anything can happen, you know, we don't know what's, will come next you know COVID came and uh, we learned we got a lot of lessons about it but luckily we had people like Chari who came up uh, Task and Chari who came up with uh, those ideas in Africa I myself as a ranger you have mentioned about different races like uh, Lewa Marathon uh, uh, Ultra Marathon and uh, World Rev Ranger Challenge you know all those are effort to try and uh, highlight our work you know before then people did not know what rangers are doing. They did not understand how rangers do or how they struggle in the field. You know, this World Rev Ranger, Ranger, uh, Ranger Challenge, I can say is like a lesson because, you know, I am one of the beneficiaries of this uh, World Rev Ranger, uh, World Rev Ranger uh, Challenge because, you know, we got our equipment and also it was like a running process because I interacted with people who I did not know and yeah. I learned from them especially, you know, for our dogs. We had challenges with our dogs and I was given some advice by someone in South Africa how they breed Bloodhound and Doberman to make a stronger dog to have good endurance and also to track even in areas where it's very hot. So it was like a challenge that came because of COVID and also we had a lot of blessings in terms of our creating network and also we came to realize that all rangers all of our Africa say, face the same challenge because all our work are the same. And uh, we can use that platform to learn from each other, to challenge each other. We see our fitness because, you know, fitness is everything. Because, you know, like even today, we, we, are, we are having a 10-day training for ourselves because if a ranger is not trained, you know, mentally he will not be fit. And uh, he will not be fit even to patrol. He will not be fit even in his brain. He cannot perform whatever he is supposed to do so uh looking in the future of our rangers you know we the rangers ourselves we have been given a platform to tell people who we are and what we do because like in that uh, social media of task we have areas where we, you can see rangers people who are out there people who are willing to support they can see who we are and what we do Thank you, thank you, Edward. And I like to say, um, all eyes on Africa. Uh, we have, we have to make this work really, because the support is over overwhelming. The unwavering support of donors, thanks to Task and Charlie, uh, for all their support. Uh, uh, as we near the completion of this chat, uh, Charlie, I'd like to bring you uh, uh, here now on this one. Uh, last year was the tenth anniversary of the Task Conservation Awards. What uh, does this mean to you and the organization? 
Thank you. They, well, the, you know, it was uh, we had a fantastic celebration last year with the the 10th anniversary of the Tusk Awards. You know, what's been really exciting about the awards has been uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, we've now recognised something like 50 conservation leaders, including some remarkable uh, wildlife rangers like Edward. Um, and and through that, we have now created a a really powerful and influential alumni group um, that we are really hoping to harness the expertise and the knowledge that that they all have to help uh, support other conservationists and grassroots organisations as they start out. Uh, with their own projects, and and uh, we think there's there's a considerable uh, benefit and power that can be brought to bear through uh, the uh, the alumni of the Tusk Awards. And I should add that you know uh, we are currently you know looking out or calling for nominations for this year's Tusk Awards. So yeah. um, if any of your listeners. Uh, have uh, individuals that they feel deserve to be recognized. Um, I would urge people to, to go to the Tusk Awards uh, website and, and submit a nomination. Um, the, uh, the idea of the awards is that um, uh, we like uh, people to nominate uh, you know, their candidates uh, confidentially. So the, idea, yeah. the the point is that the the nominee should not be aware that they're being put up for an award, and it's all done confidentially in strict confidence. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, I would I would really uh, you know, as I say, encourage anybody listening to this uh, podcast. Please, you know, if you've got uh, some amazing individual and amazing wildlife ranger that you know about who've gone above and beyond their work uh, to really, uh, you know, uh, achieve something really great in terms of conservation. We want to know about them. And, uh, you know, we would love to receive a nomination so that they can follow in the footsteps of people like Edward. Thank you, Charlie. And how can our listeners support, support TASC? and lower uh, conservation efforts. Uh, Charlie, you may go first. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, you, you wouldn't be surprised to hear me say that, you know, the best way, the best support that we can have is, is, is donations, financial contributions, uh, because we can't do anything. Uh, we can't support any of the projects without uh, raising money. So uh, if people would like to go to our website, uh, they can learn more about the organization, they can make a donation online, and they can, uh, you know, or uh, they can just simply sign up to receive uh, the e-newsletters and, uh, and learn more about uh, the charity that way. So, uh, um, uh, you know, obviously, we're, we're enormously grateful for any support that anyone can give us. Thank you. Uh, Edward? Thank you very much. Uh, if someone is willing to support our work and uh, if someone wants to support what we do, because, you know, we cannot do what we do on our own. As I said earlier, we, the rangers or the people who work for Lewa, we cannot achieve or we cannot get the success that we have without the support. 
If you want to support us, you can go to our website, www.lewa.org. And you see here where you can uh, put your support. You can contact us. And uh, every uh, dollar or a shilling make a difference. Because when you talk about rangers, we, the rangers, we value our, uh, our work. And also we value the people who support us. Because without the support, we cannot do what we do. We are doing what we are doing because of the support. Thank you to both of you gentlemen for gracing our podcast today. It was really an honor uh, uh, to have a chat with you. Asante Nisana. Thank you. Asante Nisana. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. A huge thank you for taking time to listen to this great conversation. Kindly be sure to leave a review in your favorite podcast listening app for free today. Follow us on social media to get updates on when fresh episodes are released. Yours truly, Diblex. Until next time, stay safe and stay blessed. Kwaheri.